Yeah. It's a doozy, this one. I know I say that for everyone, but fuck, they're all doozies. <laughs> Are you okay? Okay. Take the wine away from me. <laughs> Dude, low-rise jeans are coming back, and I'm about to burn myself at the stake. I refuse to do it. I'm into it. No, no. Because I have the hip bones for it. I started doing the Chloe Ting workout because I read in uh, Daily Mail that low-rise jeans are coming back. Oh, I don't know who that is, but... It's like the uh, tap weights. Yeah, I got some, like, second-hand pants that are low-rise and they're more like summery so i've been waiting to wear them but i mean i love good high-rise pants shorts jeans anything but i'm bony and i don't have an ass so sarah you are fantastic just the way you are you look fabulous in low-rise jeans meanwhile i can't sit down in them <laughs> because shamu's back in the ocean wow did I ever tell you about that allergy shot I got in my butt? Mm-hmm. I showed you the market left, right? I thought I did. Oh, yeah, 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 you did. I was about to say, did it give you like a little butt lift for a minute? No, but it did get better. It's like disappearing. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So I'm not as dented anymore. I just have my hip dips. <laughs> well, you know my shin. She will forever be fucked up. I just like need to get a leg sleeve over her. Don't ever work out hurt yourself and then go to a bar right after instead of going to the hospital (laughs) life lessons from red rum and red wine podcast Mm. hello this is Kristen, and this is sarah welcome guys welcome yeah (laughs) howdy howdy (laughs) (laughs) i've been doing so many south park references lately oh is that one yeah Mr. Oh, okay. uh, Mr. Poopy, but I don't even oh. fucking remember his name. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, though. it's the poop, Christmas poop. Mr. Hanky, yeah. the Christmas poop. There we go. Yeah, he Mr. loves Hanky. me, and I love you. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I think I messed that up. Anyways, it's not about that. This is about murder, mystery, mysteries. <laughs> yeah, and some mishaps. <laughs> Including these like two us. right here. Yeah. Oh my god, we're jinxing so much. <laughs> are we twinning like the twins in the shining I think right we now? Are. Oh, wow. Dude, cheers. Come cheers. play with us. Come play. Grab a Kristen and Sarah sized glass. It's my glass is full because Kristen's story is apparently long. Oh, it is long and it is much needed for a lot of fucking wine, man. What is yeah. your glass full of, Kristen? Ooh, my mom just went to a winery, so I just kind of, like, did a lottery and stuck my hand out and grabbed one. So, uh, I don't really know. It's in Options. the... I know. It's in the decanter. I think it. this one was from uh, Fat Ass Winery. So, shout out to them. Y'all make a bomb-ass red wine. Very good. Yeah, what are you drinking? Oh, yeah. 
I'm drinking. Um, so I went grocery shopping at a little local kind of SNS supermarket type of place instead of Walmart. And they've had bottom shelf $3 red blend wine before, but they didn't have it this time. But luckily, I came across, you know, those like bigger bottles, the jumbo bottles of wine. Ooh, they had some yeah. marked down on clearance for three ninety nine a bottle. So I got two bottles of this Argentinian Malbec. Ooh. And it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm usually a cab girl, but I'll do any kind of dark red. And it's kind of bright. You know? Yeah. You know, I used to be a cab girl, but I'm really loving red blends. Yeah. I've really been into Pinots and um, uh, Merlots. Yeah. I was like, I wanted to say Malbec. I was like, no. No, wrong one. I like Cabernet Sauvignon. Obviously, that's like been fave forever. I do love a Pinot Noir. Malbec's pretty good. Honestly. Yeah, if you put it in a decanter, haven't met a wine that I don't like. Yeah. That's red. Red. Yeah. White. Mm. I don't like you. No, thank you. No, no. Whenever we first moved in, my mom sent us one of those wine and chocolate kind of gift basket type of things. Mm -hmm. And it came with one bottle of red and one bottle of white. And we've had the white bottle... That came in that basket since we moved in in September 2019, and we just opened it last week to use for a mushroom sauce. I like f- I found a really good white wine mushroom sauce, and so we're finally using it because I kept saving it for guests, but no one ever drank it. So. Yeah, like really, Jenny's the only one that I know that drinks white wine. I don't know anybody. Well, maybe Priscilla. I don't know. Anyways. But yeah, I've been using white wine for recipes and that's about it. But yeah, uh, the last time I actually drank white wine was during our like snowpocalypse here. (laughs) I was so desperate for a fucking drink and all my grandma had was white wine, like white sweet wine. Yeah, I was like, I don't care. I need it. I need it. I have a child. I'm locked (laughs) in a house with all of my family and I need to go to sleep. I need something to like lull <laughs> <owl> me there. <laughs> uh-huh. Simba. Meow. Well, be sure to grab a big ass fucking glass because this one. Yeah, you need it. <laughs> That's all there is to say. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but this one is, she's rough. It's hard, but I'm also weirdly excited to tell it because it's one that I've never heard about. This is actually like the first episode where we're doing an episode where I haven't known of the story to some degree. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I faked the bear one a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. I'm real good at I'm real good at faking it, you know? Fake it until you make it. It's okay. I made it good for the audience. But yeah, I, I had her. It's okay. it's okay. I hate yours when we have to re-record. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't throw us under the bus like that, okay? okay. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I get it. I felt the burn. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I'm... <laughs>
<laughs> I'm I'm buzzing a little. It's just the <laughs> I'm mind. buzzing Maybe a little. Just... <laughs> Simba has literally heard this story ten times already. He's about to hear it for the eleventh time. But yeah, it really excited me. But uh, I like don't mean that. As I'm excited to tell this story. Like, I wish it didn't happen, but it's very interesting to hear. I'm just going to shut up and we're just going to get into it. Because <laughs> I don't know how to do this. This is probably like the darkest one that we've done, at least in my mind. So I, I am going to say um, this does involve the death of children. It involves the death of animals. Uh, it's bad. So what is this? I know we're all I really don't know how to do this. So in today's episode, so sorry, I get really I laugh when I get off. Oh, it's okay. Well, I laugh because you laugh, and now I just feel giggly, and I don't want to feed into your awkward. I know. No, it's fine. It's fine. We'll all just take a sip. Yeah, girl. We'll take a breath. Sit back and get ready, because tonight I'm going to be talking about the Bath School disaster, otherwise known as the Bath School Massacre. Oh, Bath School? Yep. So the Bath School is actually like a town. Uh, Bath is just 100 miles northwest of Detroit, and unfortunately, although it's a case that has been pretty forgotten in time, uh, it's happened like maybe 94 years ago Mm. it is known as america's first school bombing or attack period and it remains one of the deadliest school disasters in the history of the united states nearly 100 years later so like i said it's just 100 miles northwest of detroit uh it is within clint county michigan this is a tiny 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 town Uh, It's only 31 square miles or 80 kilometers, and it only had 300 residents uh, at the time. Wow. It was primarily agricultural and had small schools that had littered across the town. But in 1922, the townsfolk had decided to open a consolidated school. So basically just have like every grade 1 through 12 in one big giant school the opening of the school though came with a lot of controversy you see the town had just spent years debating on this whether uh, they should even build it because if they did build it it came with an increase in township property taxes and it would affect all the adults pretty much living in that town Mm -hmm. but they ended up passing it and 236 students were enrolled in the bath consolidated school district from grades 1 through 12 and this was really seen as a good thing. A lot of people commented on how the education would only flourish from there. The town was going to see a lot of positivity from it. And shortly thereafter, they had hired a man by the name of Andrew Kehoe to be on the school board. Mm. Now, I'm going to go a little bit more into Andrew. Okay. Andrew's full name is Andrew Philip Kehoe. Uh, I'm not going to say that last name throughout this thing i'll like say it a few more times but i'm just gonna refer to him as andrew because i don't like that last name it's a little weird he and i'm so sorry michigan is out for me because fuck every no i don't want to say that because every (laughs) don't cover me michigan people but your cities are really hard to name i don't know how to pronounce it he was born in tecumseh 
Michigan on February 1st, 1872 to a family of 13 children. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. No birth control back then. We call it busy. He studied electrical engineering at Michigan State College. And after graduating, he moved to St. Louis where he... Uh, where he moved and worked as an electrician for several years. So after working as an electrician for some time, he decides to go ahead and just quit his job and actually move back onto the farm with his father, his father's farm. And while he was at his father's farm, he had actually sustained a head injury that left him incapacitated for two months. Like in a coma? Yeah. So one article had said a coma. One had said he just couldn't respond to people. Mm. Like, I guess he was like awake, awake but okay. yeah, kind of like a vegetable. I don't know. It was kind of hard to say. Either way, it was definitely some kind of like coma-like state that he was mm. in. And I don't know if you know this, but head injuries in serial killers is like a very common thing. I think I... Like seen... having... No, no. Yeah, like having a major head trauma. Yeah. It just changes. I don't know. Like, it's, it can be good or it can be bad. There's one guy that woke up and learned how to play the piano. So I'm just like, wake up and they're automatically more violent. Right. You just don't know what log of draw you're going to get. But he definitely seemed to get a more violent side from it. Mm. It was said that he would kill his sister's cat. Wow. And there was also an event that was described by a neighbor where the neighbor's dog had went onto the property and started barking at Andrew, and Andrew decided to shoot and kill that dog. Just right off the bat, showing off, he's a great fucking guy. You should really hire him at your local church. He really knows what he's fucking doing. So when his mom died, Andrew's father, Philip, got married to a younger widow, Frances Wilder, fucking typical that the dad goes off and marries some fucking ominous bitch it's fine it's fine (laughs) they had a daughter together and uh it would have stayed typical for the most part until september 17th of 1911 when his stepmother was trying to light the family's oil stove and it suddenly exploded (gasps) and set her aflame now Andrew was nearby and witnessed what happened and attempted to go and save his stepmother by grabbing a bucket of water and pouring it on her. It did take me until I was like in my early 20s to figure this out. So I will not be ashamed for those who do not know. Was it a grease fire? You cannot. Yeah, you can't put water on oil. Yeah, if it's a grease fire. Like a grease. My neighbor and I, like two weeks ago, were hanging out cooking dinner at her house and we had this conversation of what we would do if we suddenly, like, had a fire in the kitchen. And we talked about how you can't put a grease fire out with water. And so we talked about what we would use. And I even mentioned, because we had the air vent on over the oven. And I was like, oh, yeah, and we should turn that off because of air circulation. And literally, like, four minutes later, she oh. added cubed sweet potatoes onto an oiled heated skillet and it went up in flames. So Stop. the first thing I do is reach off to turn off the air vent <laughs> and I grab my beer and run out of the kitchen while she like covers up the fire and puts it out pretty quick. So it was like not Oh god. It was stressful and kind of weird because we had just talked about it, but everything yeah. was okay, so I don't know. My favorite murder had a really funny uh, episode where 
I don't know if it was like a listener tales or what, where they had said to maybe pour flour on the fire or something, but that's like not what you should do. I don't know. They have an episode. Go listen to it. They kind of go into detail. Yeah kind of maybe not over what not to do if there's a grease fire but it was just yeah like that's all I could think about is I even after hearing that episode I don't even remember like I think it's baking soda baking powder I don't know I would die I would die my house would burn down unless I would just like my first instinct would be to get a blanket yeah just cover it up somehow and um, yeah like, she put another pot on top of the flames, and it yeah. put it out pretty quick. Suffocate yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Andrew didn't do that. He grabbed water and poured it right over that grease fire that was on his stepmom, <sighs> and it engulfed oh. her in flames. Engulfed her. Oh, my God. I do not know how. It's one hot mama. And <laughs> is that too soon? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Y'all can't see, but I'm blushing. <laughs> so it's Kristen. Oh, she's red. She's red. So I'm like, do we keep that in? I don't know. That's kind of funny, though. Like, why do I want to laugh a little bit? Oh, we are. Man. Uh, yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, well, I mean, I'm she she survived. <laughs> <laughs> she survived it initially. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, though. Initially? I really, I, yeah, I, she died the next okay, day. yeah, so that's horrible. Yeah. So much yeah. pain. I mean, like, you, you don't, yeah, I would rather just. You don't want to be in pain Sarah, like that. if that ever happens, yeah, if that ever happens to me, you find me some type of fun drug. Mm-hmm. You inject it into me, and then you just suffocate me slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Put that in my will. Audio will. <laughs> Sign it. Test it. it. Today is May 26th, 941 p.m. And I approve that message. Sign the dot. Red line. Sign the dot. Yeah, that's a terrible way to go. So she ended up dying. What's even worse is that the neighbors suspected that Andrew did it. And it would make sense. Like, so when I first heard this story, I thought that Andrew was a wee traumatized lad. Mm-hmm. I thought he was like seven. Oh. Because I could, I could, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I was could understand 15? that. He was 39 years <gasps> old when that happened. Yeah. He was a grown man. He, he had to have known that putting water on a grease fire, if it, I knew that I'm in my early 20s, it's like, especially in the 1920s, like, that shit had to have yeah. been known because that's, like, all they fucking did. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, all right, that definitely switches my, my perspective a little bit. Oh, yeah. Andrew. I mean, the neighbors were like, what the fuck? And so, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, but keep that in mind. He 39. likes explosions. Explosions. Mm-hmm. Mama's boy. Not so mama's boy. Ma- not so stepmama's boy. Step-mama's maybe boy. he was like, yeah, maybe he was a mama's boy. And wanted to get revenge on the stepmama. I don't know. So he kills his stepmom. And then he gets married. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. To I who? love stories. So he gets married to a woman named Ellen Nellie Price. Hmm. And seven years later, they move into a farm located right outside of Bath. And 
that's where it gets kind of like crisscross. So like some neighbors describe him as super dependable. They would do favor or uh, Andrew would go over and like do favors and volunteer work for them. Like he was a great guy. And then others would be like, no, he's a terrible fucking neighbor. Uh, I just saw him beat one of his horses to death when it didn't perform to his expectations. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't really want that guy as my neighbor hmm. or around my horses. And on top of all of his neighbor dilemmas, Andrew was extremely frugal. Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was a tight ass. Mm-hmm. You could hear his, you could hear that little squeak, squeak, squeak between his butt cheeks when he walked. <laughs> so in 1924, he actually ended up getting elected treasurer for the school board and was like, hell yeah, lower those taxes. Mm-hmm. And the superintendent of the board would go on to say he fought the ex. Expenditure of money for the most necessary equipment. I guess it just is another word for he's a tight ass. I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean? Way to fluff it. I've been out of I've been out of college for six months and I have lost all of that knowledge. Don't know that. Like I'm in college uh, and like I can't I'm like blank. <laughs> So in spring of 1925, he was appointed the role of township clerk. And the only reason he got that position is because the original clerk had suddenly died. So when he went to run the following year to get that position back, he didn't get it. Oh. Boo-hoo, Andrew. Boo-hoo. It was mostly due to the fact that everyone was really fucking annoyed with him as would i be they said that he would vote against everyone else like he would be that one person that was like nay when everyone else said yay and he would always vote against the financial authority stating that he paid way too much in taxes Uh and he would try to get a valuation on his property reduced so the whole reason that this happens So there's uh, the property tax that I was talking about earlier. I'm going to sound really smart. Okay. It's not me. It's Wikipedia. Okay. Okay. It's called an ad valorem property tax. So it's basically just the amount of however much your house is, is that's going to be what your taxes are based on. Mm -hmm. And I think theirs was like a per thousand. So if your house is 10,000, you're going to get that tax dollar times 10 or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm... Yeah. So in 1920... Yeah, well, you would pay that tax. So in 1922... I'll give you numbers. I did research. Well, other people did research for me. Love numbers. Love that. In 1922, it was $12.26 on a $1,000 valuation when the school was opened. Mm -hmm. So later in 2003... The school board had raised the tax, obviously, shit always happens, to $18.80 per thousand. And then three years later, they raised it again to $19.80 in 1926. Andrew, at the time, was living on a $10,000 farm. Uh So from when the school opened to the current time... His taxes went from $122.60 to $198. Okay, that's not terrible. But you have to think, this is 1927 money. True. 1926 money. I don't... Ooh, I should have looked at how much it was back... 
here. Yeah, like a now. ten thousand dollar. Let me let me Google. Let me Google. Oh, it was two thousand nine hundred and thirteen dollars, which I don't pay property taxes. But that's still to me that's a lot of money. Is that a lot? You have a house. Yeah, we don't own it. We rent it, so we don't we don't pay those. I don't know. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm interested on to see what the value of their property was. Because oh, dep- ten thousand, yeah, depending on I'll that, it could be one hundred and forty-seven thousand one hundred and sixty dollars and forty-five cents. So it wasn't that expensive. No, yeah. So that amount of property tax seems kind of reasonable. I don't know, but I also I don't know, know because I don't, I'm not. A He's also owner. very frugal. Yeah, I don't. I like literally. I and get think it. about it. It's per year. I don't know. Future accounting employers, <laughs> please click off. <laughs> So, I don't know. Either way, like, it's... I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Seems like money. Seems like maybe not money. Maybe. maybe. Regardless, Andrew's wife, Nellie, was chronically ill. Uh, they didn't know what it was at the time, but uh, people said that it resembled what would be tuberculosis. And she would have to stay at the hospital a lot. Mm-hmm. So, the medical bill was getting pretty high. Mm-hmm. Uh, There was no treatment for tuberculosis at the time. And yeah, it was just adding a lot of debt. Like those hospital stays were racking up. It got so bad that Andrew had stopped making mortgage and insurance payments on the house. Damn. And in June of 1926, Andrew's uncle-in-law had owned the farm. Oh. So when Andrew had stopped making the payments, the uncle basically was like, no F you, I'm going to begin foreclosure proceedings on the farm. Yeah. Good for him. Like, I guess. Yeah. yeah. The uncle seemed to have a lot of money. Um, Like, I know one of the hospitals that they use for the later event is was financed by that same uncle. So, I mean, mm. he had money. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. But yeah, he was just basically not having it. Was kind of like, F that. It was really speculated that with the anger from the sudden foreclosure that's going to happen on his farm, Andrew lost the election. He's no longer this role that he wanted to be. He's paying all of these fucking taxes that he just thinks are so overbearing and he shouldn't have to pay. He just officially snaps. Uh So when the sheriff of the town went over to uh andrew's residence to drop off the notice that he the farm was going into foreclosure andrew had muttered according to sheriff fox if it hadn't been for that 300 dollars school tax i might have paid off this mortgage what the mortgage holder mrs price also stated that when she asked andrew about the foreclosure he simply pri- simply replied if I can't live in that house, no one will. Which I know it's 1927, but, like, be more fucking original, man. Uh, but bone-chilling. Bone-chilling. And, like, why... Mm, I don't want to place blame, but it's like, dude, that's creepy. It is creepy. But what are you going to do about a creepy guy? Nothing. Like, there's yeah. nothing you can... Mm, yeah. It's, it's rough. So... Over the span of a year, Andrew starts buying some dynamite. Now, since he was a farmer, this is an era, mind you, where farmers commonly use dynamite to excavate or to burn debris. Um, 
So no one thought this was weird. He was just doing farmer things. In fact, one of his neighbors prior to to everything had a nickname for him and he actually called him the dynamite farmer because he would often hear Andrew setting off explosives on his property. Oh, fun. On top of the dynamite, he also bought over a ton of pyrotol, which is essentially an explosive. It is 60% smokeless powder, 34% sodium nitrate, and 6% of 40% Mm -hmm nitroglycerin dynamite wow boom 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 every science freak just got a heart on right now oh yeah i'm like twitching right now i have no idea i feel so (laughs) fucking smart (laughs) so um on top of all of these explosives that he has as a member of the school board he has full access to the school building hmm And because it's summer vacation, no one bothers Andrew when he drives up to the school to deliver special packages that he lays in the basements along the wings of that school. Oh, no. So in November of 1926, when the school asked Andrew to come and actually do electrical repairs for the school, he drove to Lansing, bought two more boxes of dynamite at a sporting goods store. At a sporting goods store. Where they just fucking sell dynamite, apparently. I don't want to hear shit from old people anymore. Y'all sold fucking dynamite at a sporting goods store. Back off. I don't want to hear shit about my weed. (laughs) It was also speculated by the Michigan State Police uh, that Andrew had been the person that... (laughs) How do I say this? (laughs) So... After everything that had happened, the Michigan State Police Department had actually discovered that dynamite had been taken from a bridge construction site. So they are pretty sure that Andrew was the one that, like, went to that construction site and and stole everything, (laughs) even though he could never, uh, they couldn't prove it. So, yeah, essentially, he's just stealing a shit ton of explosives. He, on top of that, purchased a .30 caliber Winchester bolt-action rifle in December of 1926. And just to be safe, he bought new tires for his truck so it wouldn't break down during the nightly travels. So, life would, yeah. (laughs) While this is going, (laughs) great for him. So glad he's thinking of his fucking tires so life would go on and continue as normal no one suspects anything no one thinks to ask andrew what he's doing uh while it's going on and i mean why should they people like you just you don't it's yeah i don't i literally don't i don't make eye contact with people that's how little i care he even continues his loving duties as a husband he goes to pick up his faithful wife nelly from the lansing st lawrence hospital on may 16th 1927 and brings him back to their home on the farm and i do believe that that's the hospital that the uh uncle gave money to Mm -hmm. so yeah Buku's money. It was shortly after this, though, only two days later, on May 18th of 1927, that Andrew decided would be the day that he would carry out his plan. Mm. So at approximately 8.45 on that Wednesday morning, Andrew had detonated firebombs in his own house and the farm buildings on his property. 
the explosion was so large that it caused pieces of debris from the explosion to actually catapult into neighbor's poultry brooding house, which I have no idea what that means, so please don't ask me. I didn't Google it. Um, it's, I think, where they keep chickens. Oh, that makes hens, sense. Whatever. Yeah. It, like where I just, like, destroyed it. Probably. If, if there were animals injured in that, I don't know. It didn't Sounds say. Sounds like it. Yeah, probably, was if that's wife, what it is. Was Nellie on site during the bombing? We'll get to okay, that. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. It's a it's a very good Be question. Be proud that I, I remembered was... her name, okay? <laughs> right? Because I'm like, that one. That one? Yeah. She. But what happened? So as soon as neighbors noticed the fire, they and other volunteers rushed the scene. They were thinking, like, oh, my God, this is a accidental explosion we need to go and look for survivors they're decent human beings and they want to actually help people so there was a guy by the name of oh bush uh who him i know (laughs) oh bush (laughs) oh bush (laughs) him and several others had actually crawled through a broken window of the farmhouse so they could get into the house and like look around and search for survivors thankfully they didn't find anyone no one was in the house at the time But they did not stop there. They fucking took the time to salvage what furniture they could. What? Because they're good fucking people. I was going to ask, like, they made it out alive, right? So not only that, yeah, but they yeah. saved furniture. Wow. They were they were trying to save whatever they could from that house. So these people would have shit to come back to. I just, like, Southern hospitality in the 1920s. Yeah, like, what the hell? Fuck, man. Such nice people. Thank you. It was when they were uh, searching or, like, taking the furniture out that Bush had actually discovered that there was dynamite in the corner of the house. And had, yeah, and I guess in, like, fear that it would catch fire and obviously explode, he started to hand it over to the men. And as all of this was going on, they had, or as this was going on, Andrew had pulled up to them in his Ford truck, smiled, and he said to them, you should stop fighting that fire and get going to the school. Oh, my. And proceeded to drive off. No. I need to take a sip, and I suggest all of y'all take a sip as well. Now, classes over at the Bath Consolidated School had begun at 8.30 that morning. Just as the students were settling in, getting ready for their last day of school before summer break, an alarm clock that Andrew had set in the basement of the North Wing containing large amounts of dynamite and pyrotol went off at 8.45 a.m. The explosion was so large that rescuers heading to the scene of the fire at Andrew's farm had actually heard the explosions dropped what they were doing, and ran straight back into the town. The parents also heard the explosion and ran straight to the school in a desperate attempt to try and save their children. So, like, heartwarming, kind of, that everyone ran towards the explosion and not away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It was a pretty small town, like, obviously yeah. 300 people. Like, my graduating class was larger mm-hmm. than that. So, 
they knew what direction it was and like they did not give a fuck like i wouldn't right i would run right there that's so bad so when people arrived to the school they said that the scene resembled that of a war zone there was a first grade teacher bernice sterling that would later tell an associated press reporter the air seemed to be full of children and flying desks and books Mm. children were being tossed in the air some were catapulted out of the building another yeah damn i just like i'm picturing it all as you say it and it's not pretty i want to like collapse right now (laughs) it's bad Another eyewitness, Robert Gates, states that mother after mother came running into the schoolyard and demanded information about her child. And on seeing the lifeless forms lying on the lawn, sobbed and swooned. In no time, more than 100 men were at work tearing away the debris of the school, and nearly as many as 100 women were frantically pawning over the timber and broken bricks for terraces of their for traces of their children. I saw more than one woman lift clusters of bricks held together by a mortar heavier than an average man could have handled without a crowbar. Mm. Motherhood bitch. (laughs) Don't mess (laughs) with the fucking kids. It's so... (laughs) So sad. Yeah, it's hard. Are you crying? Yeah, a little bit. I was crying. It's just, it's hard because I imagine my own child and it's like also i'm drinking wine (laughs) also it's close to that time so don't even get me going (laughs) i know seeing you cry makes me want to cry and i don't have kids it's just i can only imagine you know um the way that what a fucking it's described what a fucking asshole i can't i I really can't it's just oh god i can't wait to hear what's coming to him Hopefully. Mm. Well, the entire North, I don't know if you would call it bad. I wish it would have been worse, Mm. but the entire North wing of the school had collapsed. All that was left was pure chaos in its wake. So the edge of the roof had actually been blown to the ground and had trapped five to six children underneath. Now, there was a man by the name of Elvesworth that had actually volunteered to drive back to his farm to grab rope to go back to the school and pull it off of them in a desperate attempt to try and save these children. So on his way back to the farm, he had actually ran into Andrew driving the opposite direction towards the school. When Ellsworth said that he had made eye contact with Andrew, Andrew simply grinned and waved his hand. <gasps> Bearing rows of his teeth. Ew. I want to barf. I want to barf, too. After passing Ellsworth, Andrew continued to drive to the school, arriving there about 30 minutes after the first explosion. His eyes scanned the crowd until they landed on Superintendent Hayek. I'm so (laughs) sorry, I do not know that last name. And he had pulled over and summoned the superintendent over to the truck. Now, it's hard to say exactly what happens next, uh, but there is one eyewitness, Charles Hawson, that testifies that he at one point saw the two men grapple over some type of long gun before Andrew broke free and detonated the bomb Mm -hmm. that he had had stored in his truck. 
Now, you see, Andrew Kehoe was a pathetic human being mm-hmm. and literal scum of mm-hmm. the earth. And he knew that he wouldn't be strong enough to handle the consequences of his mm-hmm. actions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So before leaving to go see the work that he had done over at the school, he decided to load his tr- truck up with dynamite and debris and commit his final act of violence. Once that bomb detonated, it immediately killed Andrew and the superintendent. It also killed a retired farmer, Nelson McFarren, and Cleo Clayton. Now, Cleo Clayton was just an eight-year-old boy Mm -hmm. who had wandered out of the school building after surviving the initial blast. What the fuck? He was killed by a fragment from the exploding vehicle. Literal scum of the earth, and there is no place in hell for you. Like, literally, hell would spit you back out. It also killed the postmaster, Glenn O. Smith, who had lost his leg and died before making it to the hospital. I'm not laughing. I'm sorry. No. It's fucking, like, you don't know how to, like, there's no... It's just... Yeah. It's fucking... Not only did it do all of this, the explosion from the truck had injured several others obviously he had made it to be one large shrapnel bomb Mm. and it caused the roofs of nearby housings to catch fire cars around it were completely totaled i mean this guy was going for the utmost chaos and it going out what's even what's even more chilling (laughs) that is juicy It could have been, it could have been so much worse. It could have been so much worse. And like, literally, yeah, like, I don't, there's wine and trying to find some way to laugh is the only way out of it because it's just, I can't, I can't, my brain, my brain doesn't compute to it. But I think it's something that obviously the environment that we are in, especially today as Americans I don't think that this is something that we should forget about. Oh, no. I think it's something that... Yeah. It's just... It's so prevalent to especially what's happening now. And it's so fucking unfortunate that a hundred years, nearly a hundred years later, we're still dealing with shit like this. Yeah. See the shit going on in Texas about uh, the gun laws? Mm Mm-mm. They're passing... A new bill or I don't know, whatever political shit you call it to where you don't have to have a license to carry a gun. You can just buy a gun and carry it. No test or background. Okay, so I'm moving out. So so I'm moving out of Texas because no. I don't know. I've seen it in the news like the past two days. If that's a for real thing, then everyone needs to move out of Texas immediately. It's very scary. You can't... Mm, As you, you hear Kristen do. pouring more wine. <laughs> As I'm... And I almost break this decanter. You can't not... No, no. You need... You... No. There's so many mentally unstable people, as we've talked about on this show, and then to say you're not even going to, like, do a little anyone's check. Anyone's allowed to carry again. Just a little check a We're just asking for you to check them. Not going to happen. Just do a background check. Do a psychological test. Do something so you're not giving guns away to fucking people that don't like okay no this isn't this isn't this kind of show sorry to kill your buzz 
we're going back to nothing better. It is shit on shit on shit. Welcome to Red Rum and Red Wine. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. That's it. <gasps> All right. Where was I? Fuck. Ugh. So obviously the town is descending into complete and utter chaos and it is trying its best to stay strong as the events unfold. The telephone operators stay extra hours and they're trying their best to summon anyone who is willing to help, like doctors, nurses, like anyone. Mm -hmm. The Lansing Fire Department sent several other firefighters to help and hundreds of people in the town went to the school grounds Mm -hmm. in search of any children that were trapped beneath the rubble. There was also a local physician by the name of J.A. Crum and his wife. And I just want to note that I hate saying and his wife, but I could not find the name because I guess this is the 1920s and that's all women are referred to Mm -hmm. now back in that day. (laughs) So she was also a nurse and they both served in World War One and they owned a uh, drugstore. And they opened that drugstore and used it as a triage center for any of the uh, wounded, anyone that they could help, just send them there and they would help however they could. And uh, the dead were also taken to town hall where it was used as a morgue until everything could settle. Mm. Uh, There was even a baking company at the town of Lansing that had sent a truck full of pies and and sandwiches to the community hall uh, to be passed out to volunteers. Mm. So... It's nice to see, at least that, that the community was somewhat... Sounds like they were, they just pulled together like crazy, which is awesome. Yeah. Like crazy glue. Yeah. So, (laughs) police and fire officials had also at that time made it out to Kehoe Farm to investigate the fires, as well as search for his wife, Nellie, who had yet to be seen since she had been picked up from the hospital on the 16th. <laughs> now they didn't find her that day uh but a couple of days or i think it was actually the next day michigan state troopers would find her charred remains and her crushed skull among the ruins of the farm so it's not really known how but it's believed that andrew over that two-day period from when he picked up his wife to when, or I guess it's really like one full day, to when the bombings happened, had killed her in some manner and put her remains in a barrel to be burned with the farm. What the fuck, Andrew? Yeah. Uh, They think that he may have killed her in fear that she was going to blow the lid on his plans, but we really don't know. Maybe he just like didn't want her to deal with the aftermath of it like the shunning of who knows all of the buildings that were on the farm were destroyed and oh this is a big warning for animal lovers um there were two horses that were trapped inside of the barn when the explosions went Mm -hmm. off andrew had actually tied their legs together (gasps) with wire so that they wouldn't escape the barn what the fuck i guess maybe to notify not notifying neighbors, but it's like the fucking explosion would do that okay. anyway. So he's just a psychopath at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Mm. They also found a stenciled message that Andrew had left on the farms that said criminals are made, not born. Oh. 
Oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to pause right there. Okay. And I'm going to say I'm no asshole. That's not it. As a recovering shitty person. I think it's both who, for sure, but Yeah. But like who used to use my past as an excuse to be shitty? Like it's a choice. Yeah. For sure it's a choice. There are people that have gone through much much worse than you and have not done what you just did you're a fucking sicko who decided to go to a children's school children who have no they don't even know what taxes are (laughs) they aren't the ones who voted for you to be kicked out of your clerkship like you're going over innocent children the choices they yeah they have no control it was this is literally the future of the town and you are going after them I mean, it. He his plans were so sinister. It was meant to be so much worse. When they started going through the school and the debris, when they had gotten to the south wing, they actually had stumbled across five hundred pounds of dynamite that had yet to go oh my off. God. Yeah. 500 pounds, 230 kilograms for anyone who's into that kind of stuff. And, you know, as you mentioned, he was buying dynamite for a year up to that. Year, so he yeah. Was, like over. He was premeditating packing. as <laughs> Packing. They said that uh, after everything was said and done, the unused dynamite that he had was enough, like, the size of a small car. Oh, my yeah so that 500 pounds had an alarm clock as well that was set to go off at 8 45 and it just for whatever reason did not oh go my off God, imagine thank god the officers handling that like removing it yeah they they had to halt the investigation because they were still searching for children while this was going on they had to stop everything Someone had to go in and disarm the device because it was still technically, like, live. Right. And then they were able to, like, get it back off. They for they speculate that the initial explosion may have caused a, like, short circuit in the second set of bombs. Mm-hmm. So, like, it went off a second before yeah. that one. And for whatever reason, it just, like... Didn't work, yeah. Thank God. Right. It's It's really eerie how, like, it... When I uh, read this fact, it I should say that Columbine resembles this, but it reminded me of the Columbine, where it's just like it could have been so much worse than it was. It was meant to be pure chaos, pure destruction, like as many lives as possible. Yeah. I mean, if that had gone off, it was meant to blow up the entire school. Oh, oh my God. Ugh. What a miracle that yeah. it didn't go off. Thank fuck. I, there has to be a God if at least that happened. I don't even know. But then that happened. So it's like, yeah. that's why I question myself. <laughs> question anything. It's okay. So do I. Uh, so they also, yeah, uh, that's fine. They also found a gasoline container in another part of the school's basement. And it was uh, fitted so that an expansion of gas would force the vapor through a tube to a spark gap where it could have exploded. Oh. 
I have no I have no idea what that means, but if you're an electrician, I'm sure I guess that made some yeah, sense. He, like was he was like a really to ignite it by uh, I don't know, by spark, you know. Yeah, like it the was fire um around it will make it go off and go boom. Yeah, so they they basically said that he the only reason he did this was essentially as a backup plan in case that the bombs didn't work. So I guess that may have been why he was driving to the school. Like, he would have just... I don't really know. I don't know that much about explosives, but it... No, was he driving to the school to watch or to, like, die or... To both, I guess, essentially. He wanted to kill the superintendent, I think, was the main thing, because as soon as he saw the superintendent, he made a beeline right for him. Like, Uh, he had been driving and, I guess, was scanning the crowd, like, looking specifically for him. Maybe because the... Something about, like, voting, I don't know. His position. Yeah, it really is just... It depends, but... I mean, this was a really fucking smart dude he knew what he was doing in terms of like his electrical work um whenever the cops had even gone to investigate the scene they had said that the wiring on the dynamite had been done so flawlessly that they thought that there was actually another person that andrew had been working with to accomplish this and so like i said there had been enough of that unexploded dynamite and powder to fill a small truck and authorities thought that like I guess Andrew would have a hard time transporting all of it without help. But at the same time, like like we've said, it, he had over a year to do this. Yeah. From what they, from what we speculate, it's uh, there's no official evidence to say like on this date Andrew carried out his plans. Um, it's more so that the only evidence I think that they really have is Nev. Uh, November of 26 when he ordered those two boxes of dynamite I think that's the first official piece of evidence where they say like for sure that's when he bought it you said November of 26 1926 okay I forgot we're yeah. that far back <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry so yeah I'm like uh, Damn it. you're good <laughs> So in November of 1926, when he bought those two boxes of dynamite, I guess they used that as the first instance uh, in their official record of him buying it. But neighbors say that, like, no, as soon as he lost the election, like, he started planning this. So that puts it at roughly a year. So it's it's hard to say officially when it all started, but it's also at the same time, like, it wasn't a big deal for farmers to buy explosives Mm -hmm. and he was using explosives on his farm so we don't know what dynamite purchases would have been for the school and what would have been like for his farm or what he would say like is his farm seeing as how he seemed to be pretty clever in his bomb building skills he probably would have been clever enough to buy dynamite like double the dynamite over the years or something yeah, or like get it from different places each time. To use mm-hmm. that as a cover, mm-hmm. and you know, wouldn't be surprised. No, I mean he. As much as I hate to say it, like they always are, fucking smart in some sense. Yeah. Like they know something about something that they can get away with. Something about something. Whatever. They know something about something that gets them away with something, but it's. 
Yeah, it just depends. Like, at the end of the day, they were never able to implicate anyone other than Andrew for the crime. Uh, There was even an investigation that went into the school. Like, obviously, he had been saying some things and the school had hired him them him to do electrical work mm. like oh my God. right along he did, yeah he did i know some electrical work all right <laughs> oh god but it's like how would they have known i get that he was saying some sketchy shit but it's like you can't put someone away for saying sketchy shit unfortunately it's just not enough no no uh the investigation to the school led to nothing they put the blame solely on Andrew and just really tried to move past the tragic event. Uh, Andrew's body would be claimed by his sister and he would later be buried in an unmarked grave in Clinton County. So we can't go look at it. Yeah, you can't (laughs) fuck his grave up, pretty much. That's, like, why they do it, unfortunately. Well, no, fortunately, you shouldn't go do that. But uh, the Kehoe farm was completely demolished and uh, plowed. And they plowed it in order to make sure that all of the explosives were found. Because um, obviously they were a little paranoid that he had had some stash in weird places. And they eventually had sold it at auction to pay for the mortgage that was owed to Andrew's uncle-in-law. Okay. Overall, the attack left 38 children and 7 adults dead. Holy shit. And over 58 were left injured. In total, the attack took one-fourth of the town's children. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it did make headlines. Um, I knew I should have written it down. Oh, I believe it's, uh, Lyndon, President Lyndon, no. Lindenberg. Lyndon B. Johnson? No. Maybe it's not even a president. There was some flight that happened a couple of days later and it uh, kind of took the fame of this case away. Um, but at the same time, it did flood national news. A lot of people obviously were devastated to hear the events that had happened. The school was opened back up in September 5th of 1927. And they held the school at the community hall, not at the actual school. Mm-hmm. So on September 15th of 1927, Michigan's uh, U.S. Senator James Cousins had actually personally donated 75000 which I think like nowadays it's like 100 and something thousand, to construct a new school. So they demolished the damaged portion of the school and constructed a new wing and named it after uh, the James, it was the James Cousins wing, and it didn't last long. The school was later demolished in 1975, uh, but instead they did put a memorial park uh, up in place, and they added a historical marker in 1991 to honor the names of the victims that had perished. A bronze plaque in 2002 was also added bearing the names of those that were killed in the disaster, and it was placed on a larger stone near the entrance of the park to further commemorate them. And as well, the town had announced in November 3rd of 2008 that the tombstones had been donated to Emily and Robert Bromundant. I'm so sorry that I pronounced those wrong, probably. 
Uh, they were the last two bombing victims whose graves were still left unmarked. And um, there was a grant from a foundation that had paid for the grave markers. And then there was another gentleman, unfortunately, the last victim to take claim to the incident, Richard A. Fritz, who had died of injuries sustained from the explosion in uh, 1928. And he had a gravestone installed. And that was actually installed by the author of a book. And I believe it is Maniac by Harold Schutzter. <laughs> I believe that's how you say it. I'm Guys, you know, if you are new to this, then hello. Welcome to Red Rum and Red Wine. Kristen doesn't know how to pronounce words. I think that was it. But he actually wrote a book. If um, you are interested in this, if you were moved by it and want to know more, go ahead and purchase that book. Again, Maniac by Harold S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. Nice. Uh, Yeah, he goes into real depth over it. Um, I did not read the book (laughs) because (laughs) this is me. And, uh, but I've heard really good things about it from (laughs) (laughs) the article that I read talking about the book. (laughs) Think of, think of this podcast as basically, this is like your, um, God, what's that, uh, what's that thing we used in English class to get away with not reading the book? This is your... Oh, Spark Notes? Yes, this is the Spark Notes for the book. Essentially. Maybe. But, yeah, that's that's it. That is Holy the shit. Bath School Massacre. And... I hadn't heard that one, so thank you. I, yeah, I had not either, and I was floored. I did not know how I had not heard of this, so... Had to do it. It was hard. <laughs> From the tears and the drunk slurs. I wish I could say I cried. Oh, it's... I cried during the tears. (laughs) (laughs) Tears for fears. I cried. uh, (laughs) I cried during... um, When I was writing the notes originally, so I had an inkling. Obviously, I was sober when I was writing the notes, so I figured with wine it was probably going to happen again. But wow, yeah, that just overcame me. I just, I don't know, having having a kid, it just changed (laughs) me. You know, it's just I'm not the same that I was. Mm -hmm. I'm different. Mm -hmm. I'm not like the other girls. Right. Hair flip. No, I just uh, could only imagine, yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's still know. very just, touching. Ooh. Cause so yeah, it was. And injured. I think, yeah, yeah. It's one of, I think it is the most uh, devastating one to date, which yeah. is it, insane. It's been nearly 100 years. But yeah, I think especially now it's more prevalent than ever, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really sucks that we have to say that, but... Yeah. I think it's, since it's so, yeah, it happened. I don't know. Okay. Yep. Anyone can be and a on, And on that and note, on we're going to, uh, 
We're going to sip the rest of this wine, and I'm going to go cry myself to sleep. Thanks for listening. Be sure to go follow our socials. And go like our stuff. Like our stuff, dude. We draw art for you, or we try. Okay. Only only (laughs) our best friends like the art, and we're offended. (laughs) (laughs) We're drunk, and we just want to know why. We're that drunk ex that's texting you at two in the morning, asking if you're up, and we just want to know why you're not (laughs) responding to our calls. He's a drunk. She's a drunk. We're drunk. We're all We're drunk. All drunks. And until next time, make sure you carry a full can of pepper spray and spray anyone that asks how your day's going. And get a haircut and your oil changed. Bye. Bye.